Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. And the more we permission ourselves to allow those two things to be true, those things that we want to battle in our mind, we begin to allow ourselves to, we allow our minds to settle and allow those things to just both exist as truths for us in this moment. And it, it removes the struggle, which diminishes the load, which increases your capacity. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Do you sometimes find yourself struggling with low energy? Do you often feel overwhelmed with all that needs to be done? (laughs) Are you lacking motivation, feeling unproductive? If so, you have come to the right place. And my friend, Susan C., is the right person to lead us to better understand what to do when the energy is low, the motivation is missing, and the productivity seems to have gone right out the window. Susan is an international speaker. She's a certified life coach and the host of the popular Mentor for Moms podcast, But most importantly, she's my friend, and she blesses my life in so many ways. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Susan. Oh, my goodness. I love being here, Jill. Anytime you and I get to hang out, it's always a good time, so I'm glad to be here. Yes, we have so much fun together. So hopefully, uh, we'll be able to bring some of that fun to our friends that are listening here in the podcast world. So let's start by letting our listeners learn a little more about you. Can you tell a little bit about yourself, about your family? Where do you come to us from? All those goodies. Wonderful. I am chatting with you today from my podcast studio, which is my bedroom and I have all of my setup on my nightstand beside my bed. So that gives any mom to just imagine that this is super professional and we've got this wonderful soundstage. No, I'm in my bedroom beside my bed in Austin, Texas. And this is home for my hubby and I. We are college sweethearts. His name is Ron. And uh, we are the parents of seven children. Seven children. seven, one boy and six girls. And usually when I say that, people always want to know, okay, where does your son fall in the birth order? He's the oldest because God is merciful. (laughs) And uh, so we have the seven kids and we homeschool and have a home-based business and all of that right here in, in the great state of Texas. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Uh, Seven kids. Okay. The age range of your kids. What is the age range? 
Right now, 24 to 11. Okay. And you homeschool? I do. 20 years and still going. 20 years. So the <laughs> so uh, the, the uh, pandemic and remote learning and all of that didn't touch you because you still have been doing the same thing you've been doing for 20 years. No, it touched us for sure. <laughs> ah. A lot of people think that homeschoolers aren't touched. We were still touched. There's things that we're used to doing and opportunities we're used to having that have just thwarted us. And so I think every mother, no matter what choice she's made, has been affected in the midst of this. That's very true. I had not really thought about it from that perspective. But yes, I mean, you can't, you couldn't take the field trips or the, you know, just the the things that you could normally explore outside of the home. Mm-hmm. All of that was not an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's very true. So today you and I are going to talk about the concept of capacity. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Susan, when I first learned about capacity, I learned about it from a little bit of a different angle than you and I are going to talk about it because I learned about it from a marriage perspective Mm. because I tend to be high capacity and my husband tends to be low capacity. Mm. And and so it's just that in that case, it's the number of plates that you can spin at one time before you become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So I can spin 10 plates and he can spin three or four and before we both get to that overwhelmed place. Now, one is not better than the other. Right. One is not, you know, we just have to, we have to know our personal capacity Mm-hmm. And um, our personal energy level, our personal uh, place of overwhelm. But in marriage, where this really showed up is that when I tried to live my high capacity spin templates life, and I was like, that's okay. He can only spin three or four plates. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, wrong. I was totally wrong mm-hmm. because my 10 plates affect him. Mm-hmm. And I was minimizing the effect on him. And so what, you know, what I've learned about capacity in marriage is that um, he slows me down and brings more margin into my life. And I'm grateful for that. And there are times that I kind of speed him up Mm -hmm. and uh, help him to see that, you know, maybe for a short period of time, he can uh, do more than what he thought he could. Um, So we balance each other out. So that's the first time I ever learned about capacity. When you're talking about capacity, you're talking about personal capacity. Talk to us about what that actually looks like. Yes. So my background is I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, and I absolutely am fascinated with the ways in which we make decisions, in which we operate, and the patterns of our behavior. So when I am talking to moms about capacity, I am absolutely talking about from a personal perspective. And for me, it's that ability to be able to make a decision and to act on that decision. And I think that as moms, we all can understand that we pre-mom days felt like we could make things happen. If we needed to execute on something, we could do it. But why, as a mom, now do I struggle with figuring out even the simplest things sometimes? And it just feels beyond my fingertips to actually make some of those things happen. Hmm, Okay. So where does this show up? Okay. So 
we have all kinds of factors that come into our lives as moms that can affect that ability to make those decisions and execute on them. So it could be simple things like thinking about how many children do you have and what are the ages of your children? Having seven children, I don't want you to hear, oh, Susan has more capacity than me, because the the truth is that we all have a a measure of capacity, but especially as people of faith, we lend and depend upon the grace of God to execute. And how much grace does he give? Sufficient. Mm-hmm. And we all have access to sufficient, right? So um, things that affect your capacity could be your children, your age of your children, your current health. If you're dealing with any chronic health issues, um, the amount of sleep you're getting, the amount of food you're getting and the health of that food, um, the community health. We're dealing with this and we're having this conversation as we're still in this pandemic a year in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the community health or your own community as your family, if you think about your family's health, like all of those are different ways in which we can layer on the impacts that affect our ability to make decisions and execute on them. So when we get to five o'clock and we can't figure out what's for dinner, yes, this is a capacity issue. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So when my brain can't figure out what's for dinner, like I am literally stuck and and it's like, mm-hmm. why can't I, this is stupid. I make dinner every day. Why am I stuck? Mm-hmm. What is going on mm-hmm. there with capacity? Yes. More than likely you've reached a place mentally of exhaustion where you have just pushed and pushed through so many other challenges and decisions to be made in the in the day that you reach a point of fatigue and exhaustion. So that's why something as simple as what's for dinner or how should I handle that disagreement with my kids or like, what are we going to wear? We need to get ready to go. And what do you need to take again to practice? Um, um, somebody help me here. Uh, what is that phone number? Like there's little things and there's big things all in between that when we hit that wall of exhaustion, when we reach the end of our capacity, it just feels beyond our fingertips and we just can't quite reach it, even though it feels like it's just right there. So uh, one of the things that you say is that there are uh, three categories that affect our capacity, all right? Our our body, our mind, and our habits. Mm-hmm. So can we like break those down a little bit and better understand how each of those affect our, our capacity? Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about our bodies. First of all, there's such incredible change that happens in a woman's body in a lifetime. But a woman's body that has dealt with childbearing has even more changes that are affecting her and things that are happening that no longer make sense. You're like, I don't, I don't know why this is no longer where it used to be. This part of my body used to be high, now it's low. This part of my body used to be tight, now it's loose. Like, you know, we just, all of these changes are happening, but those changes don't just happen in the physical form that we can see. There are unexplained headaches or things that change, like my back. All I did was get out of bed, but my back hurts and my knee is acting up. And all of these things create another place that our brain is spinning on how do we care for that? How do we mitigate that? Is that a bigger issue we should be concerned with? So that's in our bodies. Then we have our minds. So on our minds, if you think about um, 
what is on the mind of a mother in a given day, it probably would short circuit most <laughs> any computer if you could hook it up. It would just like fry. Like it just wouldn't work because we're thinking about meals. We're thinking about the care and the needs of everybody that lives under our roof. We're thinking about our own um, goals and ambitions and projects and mm-hmm. things we want to pursue. Like there's all kinds of things that are constantly on our minds. And when you think about that and multiply that times your number of your children, times the age of the children and their ability to execute on their own or not, it just exponentially expands all of those ways in which our mind is being taxed with thinking through and problem solving in in an effort to fulfill the role we have of being a mother who cares for the needs of her family. Yes. Boy, our brain is in a million different places. And uh, and that is part of what, I mean, it's really a part of what is needed for a mom. She needs to have her brain in a million places, but it does get to a place sometimes where it is too much. Yes. Uh, and, you know, one of the things for me uh, that I know that I have had to to learn how to do, this is a place, and I don't know if you use this or not, but um, there are places where I need to make some advanced decisions like ahead of time mm-hmm. so that I don't, I, it's one less thing I have to make a decision about in the moment. Mm-hmm. So for years when my kids, uh, particularly when my kids were younger, I always used a, um, I used a menu. And it was a monthly menu and we just, every month it would start over again. So I just had, you know, this monthly menu, but that we had the same meals in the same mm-hmm. order. And mm-hmm. then I didn't have to, I didn't have to make those decisions. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it was already done. Yep. And we can do that as far as activities. Like we grocery shop on Tuesdays. That's what we do. I don't have to think about it on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, if you are able to get away with this, like you, you could have certain days you do laundry. We, as this big family must do laundry mm-hmm. every day. Every right. Day. I bet. <laughs> and we, we jokingly say if the day ends in why we should be running those machines, they shouldn't be quiet. So, but there's all kinds of ways that you could begin to think about how to make those decisions ahead of time. Try to take some of the load off of your mind. Right. Okay. So our body, our health affects Mm -hmm. capacity. And, you know, um, it was interesting. I have somehow hurt my foot and I, my Mark and I started exercising and, um, and it's only happened since I started exercising. So I don't know what I've done. And it's like this low grade ache in mm-hmm. my foot all the time. And I finally, you know, have made a, an appointment to have it checked out. But I'm like, I, last night I got to a place where I was like almost distracted. Mm-hmm. It's like I couldn't think and it was affecting my capacity. Yeah. That, that little itty bitty and it's really, I mean, on a pain level, it's it's not a big deal. It's probably a one out of 10. It's not a big deal. But I've been dealing with it for months mm-hmm. and it's starting to affect my capacity. You bet. I think that's a great description for those those impacts that we have on our capacity is their distractions. And when we get overwhelmed with a whole lot of distractions, the ability to focus in to make a quality decision diminishes. So the more that we can begin to lift some of this load, the more we can begin to remove some of these weights that weigh on us that affect our capacity, the better able we're 
we the more we are able to make quality decisions and execute on those decisions in a way that we feel like we're living intentionally and on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, in a mom's world, and one of the things that brought you and I together, Susan, is our, our belief that motherhood is a profession mm-hmm. and that Um, that we need to take the skills that are used in the business world Mm -hmm. and we need to, we need to transfer those skills to be used as a homemaker. That's right. And one that is leading her family. You may not be leading a company and leading an organization, but you're doing the same skills Mm -hmm. in your home. In your home. And, uh, and you keep using, utilizing the words execute upon execute upon, uh, which is not usually used in the home environment. That's true. So talk about that. Just talk about that a little bit and what exactly that means and how does a mom execute something? So bring that, bring that down and define that for us. Oh, sure. So, uh, part of what fuels the work that I do in, providing content on my podcast and in interviews like this is my background in the business world. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I are small business owners and um, we have grown a business that was able to retire him from his corporate job. But what happened in the midst of that growth and that development of that business is that we went to trainings and workshops to learn how do you build a business and How do you grow a business and how do you create a business that's sustainable and profitable so that it can grow? And uh, we would sit in these trainings and I would hear them give all this wonderful information about how to come up with a business plan and how to develop core values for your business and how to develop a team and work through problem solving. And I sat up straight, Jill. I was like, hold on. That's some good information, but I am not thinking about this being applied in business. I'm thinking about this at home. Mm. And I began to take notes feverishly. So a lot of what I teach is either based on my background in psychology or my background in business. And I love to bring the two of those together because I want to elevate this role of motherhood that we are walking out. Mm -hmm. I think all too often it is diminished into, I need to feed the people, I need to clothe the people, and I need to make sure the people get to the places they should be on time. And I say, those are great things to do. Nothing wrong with any of that. And your family could benefit from you being a visionary and your family could benefit from you understanding some of the leadership tools that are available and able to, in order to help you to facilitate creating a culture in your family that's nurturing to everybody in the family, including you. So when I talk about execute, it's basically saying, how do you step into this idea that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. How do you begin to walk this out in a practical way? What does this look like when your feet hit the ground? After you hear this podcast and you heard us talk about capacity, how do you live this out day to day in a way that benefits you? And when it benefits you, it'll benefit your entire household. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. And yes, I love how you bring that that business knowledge and experience and bring it right into the home. Mm -hmm. And it really does elevate it. When we approach motherhood, whether it's your sole profession or it's your second profession, Mm -hmm. but when we approach it as a profession, Mm -hmm. we are more intentional. We are better leaders and our family benefits from that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And the family rallies around the level of the standard and the expectation that you place on it. So as you diminish it, they treat it like, ah, that's just mom, no big deal. But when you begin to step into your place that God has uniquely placed you in your home, your family begins to affirm that in you and hold you up to that higher standard as well. It's a beautiful gift, not only to you, but to your household and to everyone else attached to your family, your community, your friends, and everyone else. Yes. That makes total sense. You know, in one of my, at one of the very first Hearts at Home conferences, I'll never forget, um, there was a speaker, Elise Arndt, and she was talking about um, just that, you know, when your family comes home from school, when they come home from work, uh, that they, you know, there's just something about going, um, like smelling dinner and going, okay, <laughs> mom's in control. Things are happening. Things are <laughs> Things are okay. Yeah. The world, the world w- might have been a mess that I just left, but I come home and it's like I can take a deep breath and go. <sighs> mm-hmm. But then she was saying, but what about those days? Those days that, you know, the world isn't okay at home because it's been a crazy day for you. And I remember her saying, here's what you do you boil a pan of water and you peel an onion and you throw the onion in the pan of water. Mm-hmm. And that'll buy you a good 30 minutes to figure out what to add to the onion to make for dinner. (laughs) But everyone will smell it and go, oh, mom's in charge. The world's okay. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love that. I have told moms the similar thing. I said, just saute it. I said, most dishes start with sauteed onion, celery, you know, just get those going. And it doesn't make sense when what you serve is sandwiches and chips, but hey, it gave you time to figure it out. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Okay. So there are three uh, categories that affect our capacity, body, mind. We've covered both of those. And then the last one is habits. Yes. And habits are just our patterns in making decisions and executing on them. And what we do in repetition, that's what makes it a habit. We repeat that same type of action. And we all have habits that we are unaware of and habits that we develop intentionally. So uh, some of our unaware habits, like the way you get out of bed every morning, what you do once you get out of bed, you kind of have a rhythm and a routine that you execute that you deliver on every single day. This is what it looked like in your house practically every single day. Mm -hmm. But there, there's times when you're developing a habit intentionally and because it's not developed and deep in you, it takes a little bit more of your load. It takes a little bit more of your capacity because you have to think through every step. Mm -hmm. You have to really be aware of each one. And it's not so much in the unconscious, it's very conscious for you. Yes. And the more those habits are in the conscious realm of your brain, it pulls more on your capacity. Oh, that makes sense. So I remember when I was uh, trying to change my habit, uh, because I'm naturally a piler of things. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to change my habit specific to mail. Because what was happening is mail was piling on my kitchen counter and I was becoming overwhelmed with it. So I was like, okay, I've got to like open the mail, throw away the envelopes, actually do something with the thing in the mail if, it, if something needs to be done with it. And you're right. When I was doing that, I really had to work hard at it to, 
to think about that because my natural is to pile it up and deal with it later. You bet. You bet. And so I think to help moms begin to understand why this could be such a big drain and how this can require so much of their focused attention and energy and effort is because as moms, we are coming into this new life with this new little person who's dependent upon us. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we figure out a pattern of feeding them, their patterns change. And so we need to develop a new habit in order to care for just the eating. This doesn't even amount to their sleep habits or their activities that they're involved in. Like it's constantly changing. So as soon as we feel like, got it, it shifts. Yes. And I've never thought about how that uses our capacity or fills up our capacity. So we really have to give ourselves some grace. Yes. Because there's a lot of changing that goes on just because your kids are changing and their needs are changing and their habits are changing. Mm -hmm. Constantly. And because they're changing, we miss out on the fact that we're changing as well. So our needs are changing. Like I could remember when I could get away with just eating a bag of chips and drinking a a Coke and moving on throughout the day. I could function just fine when I was a teenager. I could do that just fine in college. If I did that now, you guys would just need to lay me down somewhere. I'm going to have a massive headache. I'm not going to feel well. Like that no longer serves me. So my body, my needs are also changing, but we don't always even have the space to take that change in because it's a little slower, a little quieter in the background behind caring for the needs of everyone else on the outside. Right. And so oftentimes I think what happens then is we're like, what's wrong with me? Like this has always worked for me, but we're, we, we forget to evaluate that we probably have different needs. Our body has different needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where does faith fit into capacity? Where does faith fit into all of this? Mm -hmm. I think that the beauty of how God has crafted each one of us is that he's given us unique strengths, but he's also given us unique spaces where we need all the more to rely upon his strength. We attempted to call them weaknesses. I hesitate to call them weaknesses because it makes Uh, It gives us this connotation of like a failing or falling down, Mm -hmm. but that's not how I look at how God designed us. I look at us as he's given us strengths that we get to bring to the body, the community of Christ, that that's what we uniquely contribute. But then there are these other parts of us where we we definitely need to rely upon the strength of God. So our faith when it comes to capacity is that when it feels beyond our fingertips, it's never beyond God's grasp. Mm. And we get to remember that when we feel stuck and we feel overwhelmed and we feel like I'm less than not enough. I should be able to do this, but I can't. That we remember that in his strength is what where we are at our best anyway. In his strength is where we have the fullest of capacity to do exactly what he's called us to do. But that might not mean doing everything that's on our to-do list. Yes. So sometimes that also faith is a conviction of a place that maybe we're trying to maintain control that isn't uh, isn't our place. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's that, uh, that place where maybe 
we uh, are capable, but we're not really called to do something. And, and, and that's a place where we need to be able to hear God's voice uh, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important distinction for women who are high capacity to make on a regular basis. And that is, I can do a lot of things. I can make these things happen and get this dinner going and get these kids going and run this business and raise this money for the not-for-profit. And we could do a lot of things, but we really need to be asking is what have I been called to? What is my season for executing on these things? Is it my time? Yeah. Is this for me? Like these are the questions that help us to begin to pull back from not can I, but is this for me? Yes. Yes. All right. So we um, understand now what capacity is. We understand many of the things that utilize our capacity. Mm -hmm. So let's turn a corner here and let's talk about some ways that we can increase our energy and expand our personal capacity. What would that look like? The first way that we expand our personal capacity might seem a little unconventional and unexpected. And I would say that we start with rest. Mm. I say this with a lot of confidence because I have, I'm coming out of a very hard season of dealing with back-to-back health challenges. And these health challenges were, I would have a health challenge, think that I was recovering. And just as I'm starting to feel good, I was hit with another health challenge and it just came a wave after wave. But I was dealing with this while as a nation and as a globe, global community, we're dealing with the pandemic. Um, as a nation, we're dealing with lots of social injustice, unrest, mm-hmm. We're going through a political season. Um, and then here in Texas, we just got hit with what we're calling the snowpocalypse. Like we had this snowstorm that was so unexpected and then completely shut us down with power. Our family was without power for six days. So um, it's just so many challenges have happened that when I say rest and moms think that sounds wonderful, Susan, but there's a lot to be done. I don't say it from this woman who's got lots of time for leisure, I say it from a woman who can say without a question that I am at my best when I rest. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you that as much as you might want to treat rest as if it's a reward or something to get after everything's done, I now have a policy that I rest first and then I work. Wow. That's a big change because you're right. Our tendency is to think that we have to earn rest. Mm-hmm. We do. We treat it like a reward. Right. But what we need to do is learn how to give out of that rest to, 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 uh, and so the rest actually increases our capacity is what you're saying. Absolutely. And it sure helps to fine tune what is yours to do like what it is that you're supposed to do. Because when you think about, I can do all these things and you just go for it, you don't stop to say what's for me, what is the right timing, should I even involve myself in this? But when you rest, and that's different than sleep, you're, you're actually just taking a posture of slowing it down, be stilling your mind and stilling your body. Then you get to say, you know, with the energy, the time that I have today, here's the best place to spend it. Wow. That is, um, you're right. It is very countercultural. It isn't how we operate, 
but it is important. And you know what? The Bible talks about rest Mm -hmm. a lot too. Mm -hmm. A lot. And I think we just kind of go right over that and, Mm -hmm. and don't pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Good. Yes. Good. Any other strategies for increasing personal capacity? Yes. Um, Moms, I want you to know that two things can be true at the same time. You can be an outstanding mother and you don't know what's for dinner. Like just because you don't know what's for dinner does not challenge who you are as a mom. You can love your kids and not want to be with them right now. Those two things can be true at the same time. And I think quite often we think one, only one of those can be true. So if I love my child, I should want to be with them. But if I don't want to be with them, that means I must not love them. And it's like, no, both of those things can be true. And the more we permission ourselves to allow those two things to be true, those things that we want to battle in our mind, we begin to allow ourselves to, we allow our minds to settle and allow those things to just both exist as truths for us in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it it removes the struggle, which diminishes the load, which increases your capacity. Wow. Wow. That is... Okay, I gotta really think about that. That kind of blows my mind, but you're exactly right. Because when that internal struggle is going on, we've got this battle going on in our head mm-hmm. and it's taking up space. It is. It is. It it creates a friction, an unnecessary friction that usually results in us being short and snippy. Our at we get attitudes, we make snap decisions like, you know, we'll forget it. And we spend money, we click buy because we're just frustrated. So we're buying or we're mm-hmm. um, avoiding. We may avoid our kids. We may avoid friends. We may just try to shut out the world because we feel like this, this um, argument that we are, are allowing to go back and forth in our minds to remain instead of settling the argument by saying, you know, two things can be true. Mm, yes. That's powerful. All right. So we've really, you've given us kind of a practical step for body, which is the rest piece and mind, which is this piece of two things can be true at the same time. And let's not Mm -hmm. take up too much space. What about habits? Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So when it comes to habits, one of the habits that I see mothers doing quite often is asking their kids to help out around the house. And immediately mom's like, well, shouldn't I ask my kids to help? Like they should help. And I go, absolutely. But I want you to shift from asking your kids to help to delegating a responsibility to your children. Because when we ask our children to help, they take it on as if we've asked them for a favor and we've asked them for a favor this one time. Mm -hmm. So they operate as if they're doing you a favor and as they only should do this favor one time. But when you delegate responsibility, you are transferring from you owning that job and owning that task being completed to them owning that task and completing it and fulfilling it as if it is their responsibility to get every step done. So I want moms to break the habit of asking their children to help and instead begin to find ways to delegate responsibility. Mm, that is, it is a, it is just a shift. It is a, a, a an ever so small shift, mm-hmm. but a really important one. It is. It really is because 
Our children love being a part of our families and they want to feel like they are a contributing part of the family. Mm -hmm. And there are ways in which we can begin to help them not just exist in the family, but actually contribute in a way that gives them an ownership of like, I contribute this. This is what I do. My family depends on me and they can count on me to get this done. Mm -hmm. But in that, we are giving our children the opportunity to develop skills, to develop a sense of pride and confidence in their abilities. And we remove our need to be involved in that every single time, which gives us the opportunity then to not constantly feel like we're nagging and begging and pleading and bribing our kids to do things, but that we are actually operating as a unit as a team, as a family. Yep. And that really, it it changes how they feel about themselves Mm -hmm. as well. And that is really what we want as moms. So Susan, where can people find you? Where's the best place for them to find you online or in the podcast world? Yes. So if you want to find me online, you can find me at my website, susanc.com. It's my name, Susan, S-E-A-Y.com. If you want to find me on socials, I hang out mainly on Instagram. I also have a Facebook page. So those two are available for connecting. And then I love to hang out on the virtual couch with mamas around the globe. And I do that on my mentor, the number four moms podcast. And I would love for you to join that community of growing community of moms where we hang out regularly talking about topics just like this. Like I have an entire podcast on how to delegate. So if you think I need to delegate more, there's a podcast over there waiting for you. And I'd love to have you there. Oh, that's great. And you know, Susan and I were talking before we hit record on this. And um, I did, uh, I just recently learned about um, a place where podcasts are ranked. And I just curious, put, you know, looked up the ranking of the No More Perfect podcast. And I found that it ranked, which I was floored, it ranked in the top 5% of all podcasts globally. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. I just was so surprised. But then I looked up Susan's and Susan's ranks in the top 2% of all (laughs) podcasts globally. (laughs) Susan, how cool is that? That is so amazing. It's so amazing. And I think that what listeners are hearing every time they click to listen to an episode Mm -hmm. is that I genuinely pour my heart out into the mic. That's what I tell them regularly, that I want to give them the best of the best. And I want to equip moms. So when they listen to my podcast, they feel like one, that mama gets me. And two, that she feels like I have something I can put into action today. I can begin to use this in my family and we'll all be better for it. So if that's something that would support listeners of your podcast, I'd love to have him. And I'm certainly going to be sending some of my listeners over here because Jill, you know, I absolutely adore everything about you and your heart for mothers. Well, thank you. You know, um, if you're listening to this, guys, check out the show notes page for this episode because uh, we'll make sure we'll put links to Susan's podcast. We'll put links to her resources, all of that, um, because you do. You need to check out her Mentors for Moms, and it's the number four Mentors for Moms podcast. So, Susan, as we bring this to a close, 
what's one final word of encouragement you'd like to offer to our listeners? I want that mama who is feeling like life has just sent her wave after wave of challenge, of um, stress, of issues to deal with. And she's really questioning, am I the right one? Was I, am I really cut out for this? Am I doing something wrong? Is that why this all feels so hard? Is this why so much of my life feels beyond my fingertips right now? Mm-hmm. I want that mama and mamas like her to know you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. It's very tempting when you feel down to think it's because of some inner failing of mine that that's why things aren't working out. But sometimes life is just hard. Sometimes life just sends you challenges that nobody could have been prepared for. And it's not because you're failing. It's not because you are you messed up and you made a mistake. It's just sometimes life is just hard. And if you feel like you're the only one, please know that you're not. You're not the only one that thinks this is hard. You're not the only one that's struggling. You're not the only one who's looking at their kids sideways and wondering, where did they come from? Like, I did not teach them to act like that. I did not teach them to do those things. But yet there they are. You know, Mm -hmm. those are mine, guys. Don't worry about it. You know, (laughs) if you think that you're the only one feeling those ways, please know you're not. Nope. You are not alone. So important for all of us to remember. Thanks for reminding us of that, Susan. Absolutely. And thanks for having me here. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.